morning, everyone. The reading this morning is from James, chapter 1, verses 13 to 18. So James, chapter 1, starting at verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away from their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. Good morning. Now, please keep your Bibles open. If you haven't got one, I'm sure we can get one delivered. Why is it that people go astray? What is it that causes this? And James addresses this question. It's, it's a wonderful book written over 2,000 years ago. Uh, but its message is so relevant to us today. Remember who it's addressed to, if you've got your Bible open? Uh, 1 verse 1, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Verse 2, they're under great pressure. So this was a message to God's chosen people scattered all over the Roman world who are facing difficulties, but who were living on the promises of God in a world that's not yet. It's also a letter of warning. We don't see the reality of these promises, do we? We just see the reflections of them. And this can be so frustrating, perplexing, and the danger very much is that we can drift away from God because it's not quite working out. So let's see, what's the first uh, warning that's so important? This follows on from last week. Can you just look at verse 12? <coughs> Remember Walt Disney? <laughs> he was fired by his uh, first uh, newspaper editor because he had lack of ideas. <laughs> Thomas Edison. Uh, his teachers gave up on him. They said, he's too stupid to do anything. And yet, look what he achieved. He, he went on to develop, what, the phonograph, the electric light bulb, motion picture cameras, electric generators. Caruso, the singer. <laughs> he, he was told by his music teacher, you've got no voice at all, give up. He just can't sing. Henry Ford, I didn't realize he failed five times. He went bankrupt five times before he developed the Ford motor car industry. And, and it goes on. Einstein, <laughs> he had a wretched reputation. His parents feared he was so thick at school, the only thing he could do is maths. But they, uh, they, a teacher asked him to drop out. Einstein. Or Churchill. He was so dull as a youth that his father thought he might be incapable of earning a living. 
or perhaps politics is something different. <laughs> well, they, they all succeeded. Why? Because they persevered. They kept going. Now look at verse 3. Testing produces perseverance. Now look on to verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Now, what's that mean? Perseveres in what? Now, Paul longs clearly that every Christian should actively persevere in living for Christ. That word's very specific. Not just having Christian doctrines, not just having it in your head. No, living for Christ. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Why? Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do notice this. No perseverance, no salvation. Can you all see it? We must persevere in living with and for the Lord Jesus. Okay, how do I know I love him? Well, you can say I, I love the doctrines. No, no, no. Do you remember what Jesus said? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In John 14. Uh, it goes on, whoever has my commandments, he is the one who loves me. 14, 21, 25, 23. Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. It's very clear. To persevere in Christ is to love him and to follow him and to obey him. And James is very insistent throughout the book. We must all persevere in making obedience to Christ our absolute priority. Our salvation relies on it. But James don't you understand that some of us have got real pressures? They are immense. You know, I'd, I'd love to be more active for Christ, some will say, but uh, circumstances make this so difficult. You should see my husband, my wife. Yeah, I work such long hours. Yeah, my neighbors, <laughs> my children. Well, James has something to say about this. I love the story of uh, Adoniram Judson. You know, him's one of the early missionaries to Burma. And his wife, he had a tough time in Burma, and, but his wife picked up a newspaper article that described him as being like the apostles in the Bible. And Judson replied, it's beautiful, I don't want to be like Paul or any mere man. I want to be like Christ. I want to follow him only, copy his teachings, drink in his spirit, and place my feet in his footprints. Oh, to be more like Jesus Christ. Isn't that lovely? That's a Christian. <laughs> We've all been chosen to be Christians in order that we might persevere in glorifying the Lord Jesus and point people to him by the way we live and what we say. Now, obviously, the way we live, according to James, is vital. 
Uh, look at verse 19, just beyond our section. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anger makes us so unattractive. It makes the Lord Jesus unattractive. So Jesus calls us, in spite of life's frustrations and perplexities, the trials and the fears that we all face, to persevere in being what? Well, look at verse 1. 1 verse 1. In being servants of the Lord, he's my Lord, Jesus Christ. We must persevere to the end in doing this. Our salvation depends on it. That's the mark of the Holy Spirit in us. There's a lovely story of a 10-year-old Kenyan boy who uh, had been asked to uh, write a poem and then recite it in front of his class about being a Christian. This was his analysis. He stood up and said, If you want to be a Christian... You must go on, and go on, and go on, and go on, and go on. And so he went on. But the lesson's very clear, isn't it? We must go on in Christ. I think one of the great encouragements here in Christchurch is to see so many people who have lots of problems, but keep persevering for the Lord Jesus. It's wonderful. You know, thank you for all those people who invited friends to, uh, and family to come to Passion for Life. No, whether or not they came. Because it's actually the inviting is saying, I'm on the side of Jesus Christ. Speaking about these things, whatever their reaction is. Witnesses to Christ. And James wants to make it clear that a Christian's job is to give glory to the Lord Jesus Help others to do the same. Look, look how the book ends. Turn to the end. Uh, five, chapter 5, 19 and 20. This is true for both men and women. People wander away from living for Christ. My brothers and sisters, he says, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death. That's hell. And cover a multitude of sins. It's only in Christ that we are saved. Leave Christ and we're in trouble. The, the trouble we face in English churches today is that, frankly, a lot of people are deceived. Now, now look, three times James stresses this. Uh, verse 16 don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Can't you feel the, the love James has for those he's writing to? Look at 22. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. <clears throat> if we're just soaking up Christian theology, but not living for Christ, we may be in trouble. Those of us who come from evangelical backgrounds. We love our doctrine. That's great, but don't stop there. We've got to live for Christ in society. Oh, look, 26. Those who consider themselves religious 
and yet don't keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. You see, what we say, how we say it, betrays our hearts and can betray our Savior. That verse right, right at the end in 519 that we just looked at, uh, the, the Greek word, therefore, wanders away, is the same. It's to be deceived, to be misled. So James is warning about the danger of Christians being deceived and so drifting away from the Lord Jesus and from his word. There's so much that James wants these Christians to understand. So the first point, persevere in living for the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got that? Now comes to two warnings about being deceived. Don't be deceived about the source of sin. That's a strange one. Sin never originates from God. We've just heard that from Becca. God is holy. Nothing can come out of God that's evil, that's bad. It's never his fault when we fall into sin. Yet the trouble is how we enjoy flirting with sin, don't we? There's something very attractive about it. Those TV, those computer programs that appeal to our lower nature. That desire to be like other people and, and to live for myself and for my enjoyment. A worldly lifestyle can be extremely attractive. Do you remember the, uh, in Psalm 73, but as for me, my my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. They're free from common human burdens. And it's so easy, this, because people around us seem to be doing so well. But God says to us, do you remember Psalm 1-1? Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Be careful. It's so easy to be influenced by those around us and so drift away from God. But it's then easy to say, well, it's, it's God who's tempting me by this and that problem I'm facing. Now, we all face different problems, don't we? But James is clear that the Lord allows us to face difficulties, the difficulties we all face, different ones, to strengthen us so that we're trusting him more, we're living for him more. We all know a child who uh, never faces problems, is never told no when they're young, is going to grow up to be selfish. Uh, overprotected, under-disciplined toddlers always wants their way. They need to learn. A Christian who never faces problems equally becomes self-centered. So God allows you and me to face all sorts of problems, crises to come. And then we've got a choice. How am I going to react to this problem? The temptation is to refuse to obey the Lord Jesus, to give in, to isolate myself to refuse to be slow to angry, to stop talking about Jesus. 
How we love to dabble with temptation. <laughs> it's as if at one time, oh, we know, we've, we've got to uh, chuck her out of the front door of our house. But as she's going, the temptation say, what's your telephone number? Temptation always comes from within us. Problems are allowed, but temptations come from us. God never tempts us. Look at verse 13. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And we remember when God acted in creation. Do you remember what he said at every stage? He saw that it was good. And it finishes in the end of uh, chapter 1 of Genesis. God saw that all it was made and it was very good. Because he is good. There's nothing bad about him. Of course it was because of the nature of God. You know, Jesus emphasized exactly the same point. He says, the pressures on us are not the temptation. The temptation is what comes out of my heart. That wonderful verse in Mark 7. What comes out of a man is what, is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. We've got to be clear on this. It's not the problem. It's my reaction to it. And he goes on. He talks about sexual immorality, theft, murder, <coughs> adultery, malice, wanting to hurt someone, deceit, dishonesty, biased accounts, lewdness, envy, slander, saying things to harm people, arrogance, looking down on others, folly, that's worldliness. These temptations come from inside us. They're all evil. They come from inside. They defile us. And James is saying exactly the same here. Our hearts are the real cause of the problem. Look at 14. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. We've all got it clear. It's not the problem, whatever it is. It's how I react to it. Persevere, James says. Oh, we love to blame other people for problems, don't we? Um, Adam did, right at the beginning. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> when he says to God, it's a, it's a woman you put me here with. <laughs> she gave me some fruit for the tree and I ate it. It's her fault. Then the Lord says to the woman, what is this you've done? And what does she do? The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate it. No, it comes from inside our hearts. Today we always want to shift the blame. You know, that person offered me the drugs. You know, she tempted me. Ah, there's a problem in modern psychology now because it always wants to blame others. Uh, blame parents for your problems. Blame your workplace, your husband, your wife. No, essentially, God says... Uh, my reaction to the problem is the temptation. 
Do you remember the uh, some years ago, there's a, a well-known example of this in the Times. There was a series of uh, newspaper uh, letters talking about what's wrong with the world. And everyone came made various comments, communism, capitalism, and everything else. And then G.K. Chesterton wrote in, Sir, I am G.K. Chesterton. So profound. But will you notice something else here? There's a very interesting omission. Satan, the devil, is not mentioned. Why? He brings the difficult circumstances, yes. Remember uh, the Job? No, Satan brings the circumstances, but it's how we react that's important. There's a young Roman Catholic uh, man who went to uh, training to be a priest in the seminary, but at the end of the year he realized the lifestyle wasn't quite his cup of tea and he left. But then he got into financial troubles and he, he got very short of money, desperately short. So he came to the conclusion that he'd try robbing a post office with a pistol. <laughs> he wasn't very good at that either. And he got arrested. He's tried and found guilty. And at his trial, the judge said to him, uh, before I pass sentence, is there anything you wish to say? Yes, my lord. I just don't know what came over me. It must have been Satan that tempted me. Now this judge, I don't know if he is a Christian or not, he said, you of all men should know, it's out of the heart of man that comes forth evil thoughts. Seven years. <laughs> Those wandering from the Lord Jesus, from living with and for him. We've got to remember that the root problem is my heart. So James is saying, persevere in living for Christ. My second thing was, don't be deceived. The source of sin is in me. But my next point is, don't be deceived about the seriousness of sin. Look at 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth birth to death. Sin, the deliberate decision not to live as God wants, leads to spiritual death if we keep going in it. Remember, if we call someone back from that life, we save them. A so-called Christian who turns away from Christ and doesn't persevere to the end will not be saved. Salvation is only in Christ. It's very clear thinking in the Bible. But note that James links uh, mulling on a temptation with sin. <laughs> Once I allowed a desire to conceive in my mind to flirt with it, then I'm becoming addicted to that temptation. And I'm sure we've all seen this. You play with the temptation and it catches you. James is saying, never flirt with temptation. There's a man who was, uh, whose marriage was in shreds because he'd had an adulterous affair. And he was talking to his vicar. 
I don't know what came over me, the man said. The vicar very wisely says, I do. You've been toying and thinking about this girl for, for a long time before this happened. Dwelling on the temptation. See, Jesus died for us because he recognizes the eternal consequences of living away from God. God hates sin. He hates us giving in to temptation. And this is why we've been given the Holy Spirit when we turn to Christ. The Spirit of Jesus, the power to be like him in his character and his priorities and to overcome temptation. Giving in to temptation is not just neutral, just a little thing. It can lead to death. That's James' message. Eternal separation from God. I was reading uh, John Owen, one of the great Puritan writers in the 17th century. He said this, The temptation is no more deadly than when it seems to be most silent. And every temptation if allowed its head, will work and strive and endeavor until it brings about the worst possible sin in that area. It's addictive. So the tiniest little temptation to discontentment will, will not rest until it leads on to covetousness, to fraud, to robbery, to murder. Uh, murder, perhaps with the tongue. Murder in some other way, but... Jesus, uh, James is saying here, we must not flirt with temptation. So, persevere in living for Christ, he's saying. Don't be deceived in the source of sin. Don't be deceived about the seriousness of sin. But lastly, remember the antidote. This is, this is great stuff. Uh, the, uh, this poison to temptation and sin. He's saying, remember, keep remembering all the good things that the Lord has done for us. Look at 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. See, we're all going to have ups and downs, aren't we? We all go through them. Uh, to succumb to the pressures is is not something God wants us to do. He's as steady as a rock. Let's stay close to him. Look at verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. See, James keeps bringing us back to Scripture. In the Bible we learn that it's the love of God for every one of us that he tells us how Jesus came to Take responsibility for my sin. That when we look at these sort of things, we say, yeah, that's me. I've got this problem. But Jesus took it on himself. And because I'm in Christ, that is forgiven. He has taken responsibility. And when we turn to Jesus as our Lord, he then becomes our saviour. There's a uh, recently a Hindu student up at the Heriot Watt University in Edinburgh who went to the mission there a, a couple of months back. And at the first lunch, the uh, student spoke to the speaker. 
He says, I'm, I'm a Hindu. I don't see the point of religion. Why do I have to keep climbing the mountain towards God? And the speaker very wisely replied, See, the good news about Christianity is that God came down the mountain to us. <laughs> the student said, that's amazing news. And the great thing was he went to all of the rest of the university mission and he's now signed up to doing a Christianity Explored group. Just look how James ends that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. First fruits means the, the ideal, the perfect fruit. People who live with the mind of the Lord Jesus. In our different circumstances, our reaction to the problems will be that of Jesus. See, he chose us. Isn't that thrilling? You and I, we've been chosen by God given new birth, given life, given forgiveness, given his Holy Spirit, so that we can react to the problems that we face with the mind of Christ. So let's go out determined to stay close to him, living for him, turning our backs on every temptation as if that is death for us. And then we'll see God's Spirit at work through us. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes these messages are quite tough. But Lord, we just thank you that you accept us as we are, as we turn to you for forgiveness. You give us your power, your spirit, to enable us to overcome the, the trials and to behave in a godly way so that by the way we live and the warmth we have, we draw others to our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. So be with us all, we pray. Amen.